0: Into this special edition of the Bucknuts Morning Five podcast, I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Patrick Murphy and our very special guest Anna Hickey from Clemson Two Four Seven. For those that don't know, Anna is a one-person wrecking crew at her site. Welcome in, Anna. We have like you know ten guys working at Bucknuts, and you really are kind of a one-person wrecking crew. I know I'm tooting your horn there a little bit, but uh, you do great work, and it's great to have you on the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I know I'm primarily the only writer, but we have such an awesome network and especially with recruiting. I mean, you know, Steve and he helps out a ton. So um, I don't feel like I'm on an island always. So
0: That's good. That's good. You do great, great work. All right, let's start off, guys, with the rivalry that has brewed between Clemson and Ohio State. I never thought I would say Michigan is not Ohio State's biggest rival. It feels like right now that Clemson has emerged as Ohio State's biggest rival. Um, Patrick, we'll kick it to you. I want you to talk about that first of all, and Anna talk about it, just the rivalry that has brewed with these two teams it's been uh, something to see and we're gonna see it again this friday
2: yeah it's it's been an interesting building of this obviously you know ohio state's own four record against clemson has played its part in that but then these games these last seven or so years in in the college football playoff um or the, well two of them in the college football playoff have really sparked um like an intensity that that feels like a rivalry, I would say um, it's tough to say it's a rival for, for either team when when you don't play regularly. But you know they did they are now playing in back to back years. Um, they've played in in the playoff. This will be the third time, and and they obviously played in uh, 2014 in that Orange Bowl. So all those games have have been interesting in their own way in terms of the outcome. And you know I think Ohio State fans feel really let down that their team hasn't beaten Clemson and Clemson fans from, from my understanding and Anna, you can speak to this probably a little bit better, but I think there's a sense of, you know, we, we have this control, we have this dominance, even if it's a small sample size over Ohio state. And then you, you go into last year's game and and kind of the the controversial way that game played out um, the fact that Ohio state blew a a multi-score lead, And, you know, the, the ending with, with the interception and even before that, the back and forth, you know, it added bite and that's what you need in these games. You know, college football's rivalries are generally historic. You mentioned Ohio state, Michigan, Clemson, South Carolina, those type of things. They're regional. There's, there's a lot of history, but in a lot of sports, you see this with rivals that kind of form naturally because you end up playing each other, you know, in the NFL that it happens Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, those aren't natural rivals in, in Indianapolis and New England, but that became a huge rivalry in the NFL because those two teams were, were seeing each other in the playoffs pretty much every year. And, uh, you know, I think Clemson's had that a little bit with Alabama these last few years and it's building with Ohio State. And then obviously Dabo with, with the things he said, um, I think it's been taken a little further than it needed to be. But Ohio State certainly has jumped on that from a fan perspective uh, to, to kind of add to this Animosity, so to speak, from an from an Ohio State perspective.
0: And Anna, same thing. Just your thoughts on uh, Clemson and Ohio State becoming a rivalry?
1: Yeah, I think part of it too, like you said, Pat, is that Clemson has won twice recently. Three, I think. What is it? Three and zero total. The series 20. right now. Four
0: and zero. We gotta count the game where Woody punched a Clemson player. Things are for Ohio State in, the, in these games. Yes. <laughs>
1: Um, And Ohio State's just not used to losing. I mean, they're a perennial program. Ryan Day, that's only, Ryan Day's only loss is to Clemson. So I think more of a, I don't know if I would necessarily say rivalry. I just think there's this, when you have a passionate fan base and a team that's so used to winning, um, they really want to get over that hump of beating Clemson. And I think Clemson's a little smug. Um, Maybe the fan base is because they have gotten those wins. But when you look last year, I mean, that game could have gone either way. So, I mean, I think it's a blast. Clemson fans, it's it's awesome for them that they can kind of have those bragging rights right now. But you better bet when when that, if Ohio State wins this year, Ohio State will have those bragging rights and it'll kind of just go back and forth. And Clemson will be the, the team kind of, I guess, chomping at Ohio State's heels in terms of just being a little angsty. Um, because it's not like you can point to um, in terms of the wins and losses, Clemson and Ohio state going back and forth. One team wins this year, one team wins another year. I mean, Clemson's kind of, like you said, Pat, they kind of have this, this monopoly right now in this series, if that's what you want to call it. So um, I do think that it was interesting that Amari Rogers yesterday was asked if he thought this was a rivalry and he basically said, no, I don't, you know, they have more beef with us than we do with them, and that's on them. And I mean, I think he does have a point to that. Um, a lot of that, especially right now, stems from the fact that Dabo ranked Ohio State 11th, and I think fans probably read more that more into that than players and coaches. Of course, players um, on Ohio State's end are not living under a rock. They see that, and heck yeah, that would fire me up too. Like, regardless of Dabo's reasoning, you know, didn't rank teams that played. Um, was it nine games or under in the top 10? I mean, regardless of the reasoning, when you get to these types of games and the air is a little bit thinner, I know you're playing for a national championship and that's all the motivation you really need, but any little bit of edge that you can get matters. And if that's going to make Ohio State lock in a little bit more, prepare a little bit better, or be crisper on the practice field, then hey, so be it, more power to them.
2: Well, and I think too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at least from, from my perspective, that 2014 game in the Orange Bowl, was, was huge for Clemson in, in terms of getting away from that Clemsoning reputation of, you know, losing some of those bigger games, you know, you'd finally beaten an Ohio state level program, you know, in recent history. And I think that sort of got the ball rolling for this team to, to kind of the dynasty that it's become, at least in my mind. And so, you know, I think that's something, you know, I've talked to Ohio state fans about this leading into this game about they still remember that 2014 game. And, and while it wasn't in the playoff or, you know, in a BCS bowl or a BCS title game at that point in time, it was like, we kind of kickstarted this for them by, by losing that game and, and how that game played out. So, you know, even going back to, to that point um, I think that kind of started things in this series on, on an, on a note of animosity, I guess I'd say just because of the, and especially because of that way, the way the game played out, Braxton Miller gets hurt and, and things like that. Um, and then Clemson really starts to build the program into the the national power that it's become.
0: That's a really good point. And um, focusing on this year, Anna, take us through Clemson's season so far. It sure seems like the Tigers were peaking at the right time. Just give us a quick recap of uh, Clemson's season so far.
1: Yeah, so the season started way back for Clemson. Looking at their schedule right now, Um, September 12th was their first game against Wake Forest and had Wake, the Citadel, Virginia – Cruised through those games for the most part. And then Miami was ranked seventh at the time in uh, mid October. And that was, you know, college game day, filled with a top 10 matchup. Everyone was, oh, Miami's back, (laughs) the U is back. And then Clemson won 42 17. And it was like, okay, same. New Year, same story. I mean, we think Clemson, someone's going to challenge Clemson in the ACC, and it, it doesn't happen. Um, and Clemson's game normally in the ACC, when they lose one, it's been to kind of a team that no one expects. It hasn't necessarily been to that Miami or um, – I mean, I don't even know who else you can name in the ACC at this point. But um, it's been kind of that team that uh, Clemson kind of lays an egg, not because Clemson was, was the lesser team. Um, and then Clemson came out the next week after Miami crushed Georgia Tech 73-7. to Um, Had a little bit more difficulty versus Syracuse two weeks or a week later. Um, And then I think kind of all eyes shifted onto the Notre Dame game. That's when the news broke that Trevor Lawrence tested positive for COVID and that three defenders for Clemson were injured and would be out for that game. Um, I think all of college football watched that game. So probably know what happened. Clemson lost in double overtime, 47 to forty. Uh, and then they were able to get that bye week, which I think was really crucial for them and fueled this kind of run and this resurgence and this back half of the season. They had the open date and then the game against Florida state, which I'm also sure all of college football knows about got canceled um, on the 21st. So that gave Clemson two weeks off just to get healthy kind of get their legs back under them. Um, and then they came back and crushed Pittsburgh 52 to 17 uh, went on the road against Virginia Tech, won 45 to 10. And then uh, two weeks ago, obviously beat Notre Dame pretty handily in the ACC championship. So, yeah, I do think they're peaking at the right time. They're very confident. Um, they're healthy. And, um, you know, I-, I do think that they're also relatively fresh.
0: And Patrick, all six games for the Buckeyes. You don't have to go through all six games if you don't want to. But uh, not a lot of season so far for the Buckeyes. But give us a recap on Ohio State season so far.
2: Yeah. I mean, for, for people who don't, who didn't follow it as closely, you know, I I assume we'll get Clemson listeners on this. So, um, you know, Ohio state started the season um, obviously much later than, than Clemson did with, with the way the big 10 decided to handle things this year. And and that's a topic we could have an entire podcast on and we have, Um, but uh, it wasn't until late October, October 24th, that the Buckeyes started against Nebraska at home. The game was 52 17, but, Nebraska did some things in that game that had people worried, the quarterback run, things like that. The next week was when I think Ohio state fans and, you know, people around the country kind of calmed down on Ohio state and and established, okay, this is the team we thought we were going to see, you know, Penn state had lost Indiana in week one, but Ohio state goes to happy Valley gets a win granted no fans in the stands there. um, So it wasn't that whiteout environment, but you know, a pretty sound game, Ohio state controls throughout, you know, Penn state made a, a little bit of a comeback in the second half. I think the only thing you could say negative about that were the two passes that were thrown on Sean Wade that, that really surprised people. Um, Rutgers the next week was not, you know, we're starting into November here when I think people started, started to have some questions about Ohio state's defense. Um, and this, this idea that maybe the Buckeyes weren't playing complete games. i State had a big lead going into halftime and, and allowed Rutgers. Now, granted it was through a lot of trick plays and things like that, but, but to get back in the game and, you know, at the time I thought this is Greg Schiano, former Ohio State defensive coordinator coming back to Ohio Stadium. You know, He's going to pull out all the stops. I don't think there's much to be concerned about. And I was excited for that next week because they were traveling to Maryland to play Tua's little brother in, in a game that I thought would really show us what this secondary was about. And if there really were issues, that is the first of, of multiple games that gets canceled for Ohio State. So the Buckeyes are off come back with a a top 15 game against Indiana, Ohio state, again, big lead at halftime lets the Hoosiers come back the, the Miami or the Indiana passing game um, really exposed Ohio state. And I think it's a good Indiana passing attack, but uh, you know, there were definitely questions, almost 500 yards um, of total offense. And all of that came in the passing game. Indiana had minus one rushing yards for the game. Next week, Illinois gets canceled. That's the first week Ohio State has its COVID issues. There's questions about if, if they will play Michigan State the next week. The Buckeyes without, I believe it was 23 starters or 23 players, um, goes to East Lansing, doesn't have Ryan Day, doesn't have coaches, some of the coaches on the sideline, 52-12 win. That was Justin Fields showing off he can do with his legs and kind of Trey Sermon's coming out party, um, but we'll get to him in a second. Then obviously the Michigan game gets canceled, you know, a a big blow for Ohio state. That's a game that not only did they want to play just to get to that sixth game, which was supposed to get them into the big 10 championship game, but that's the, you know, the the rivalry game. We talked about rivalries earlier. That's the game you want to play. You circle on the calendar every year. The big 10 changes the rule. Ohio state gets in against Northwestern coming into that game. I think there were questions about how Ohio state would look having not played, you know, back-to-back weeks going all the way back to October. So um, Ohio State certainly looked a little rusty in the Big Ten Championship game. I, again, they were out without a number of guys, 22, I think, um, including wide receiver Chris Olave, linebacker Baron Browning. You know, it was it was a game where, I felt like Ohio State just needed to win to get into the playoff and and that proved to be right but Justin Fields doesn't look like Justin Fields completes 44% of his passes um, a career low in passing yards in on Ohio State uniform and you know thank goodness from a Buckeye perspective for Trey Sermon who goes out and sets a record with over 300 rushing yards in the game breaking Eddie George's record that's held for for quite a while and and that set up what we will see here on Friday in in this rematch between Ohio State and Clemson
0: you touched on the COVID stuff. I wanna hit on that real quick. It sounds like Ohio State, we you know, it's still 2020. Things could change by the, the time we're done recording this podcast. But it sounds like Ohio State, all systems are go, they're gonna get Chris Olave back, some of those guys you mentioned, Baron Browning. And what are you hearing about Clemson? Um, are they pretty you know close to the vest like Ohio State is about this information? And are you hearing everything is, is okay with Clemson as far as COVID?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, if there was something going on you know I, i'm not gonna i'll be honest i wouldn't know about it right now so um we get an, an unavailability report about two hours before the game starts and that doesn't specify covid injury whatever but we will know who's available for the game and who's not on game day and then Davo said earlier this week he was asked about xavier thomas who missed the acc championship game um and i can Confirmed through sources. Well, I can report through sources that it was not an injury, um, whether it was protocol COVID related. I'm not sure, but we do know that Thomas already had COVID. So I'm not really sure the deal there. But anyways, Davos was asked the question about Thomas and basically said it was a protocol situation. And I'm not going to answer any questions about injuries or whatnot. You guys will find out on game day. So um, going into this game a little bit blind on that front, but There was no major injuries in the Notre Dame game, so there's not any huge questions. Um, The main ones I would point to injury-wise would be Frank Ladson, um, just kind of had it up and down in terms of can he play, can he not play. Played a little bit in the ACC championship game, but was not a factor. Joseph Ngata, Clemson's, um, would be, have been this season another starter. Probably going to be out. He had surgery a few games ago um, in the hopes of getting him back this postseason, but just haven't heard, heard any buzz there. Um, and then let's see, um, health wise, other than that, I think Clemson's in a pretty good spot and same with COVID, um, made miss Justin Foster. It was a starting defensive end entering the season, but he's been out all season. So nothing new there. Um, and then, I mean, good for Clemson, I guess, you know, you don't have to worry about your star quarterback getting COVID because you just had it. Um, I do think it was interesting that Clemson let their players go home for Christmas day. Um, so they practiced Christmas Eve, had Christmas Day off, and then came back to the facility the 26th. And I know they've tested four times since for a Clemson official. I don't know the results of those tests, but um, I think Sweeney wanted them to be able to spend time with family, at least the ones, you know, that didn't have to hop on a plane.
0: The big thing that we're watching, obviously, Patrick, from Ohio State standpoint, injury-wise, is Justin Fields' thumb on his right hand, his throwing hand. He suffered a sprained thumb against Northwestern in the Big Ten title game, had to wear a small little wrap on it. He says he's going to be good to go. Um, if you're a Buckeye fan, should be should you be concerned about that, though?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, until you see him go out there and, and throw the ball and look normal, I think that there's definitely a concern. I mean, after he he did hurt it, you saw him you know, struggling to hold the football on the sideline. I think he only attempted one pass after that in, in the game, and Ohio State was up. Trey Sermon was rolling. You didn't need to throw the ball, but you definitely are going to need to throw the ball against Clemson. I can't imagine – you can just plan on a running back having a record day again. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely a concern. I did like Fields' response, though, when asked about it. You know, I'll, be, I'll be fine by Friday. Like, simple, easy. Um, you know, I'm sure that it's going to bother him at some point, but he has had two weeks. If it's nothing too serious and it didn't sound like it was, um, you know, I'm sure they can come up with a way to, to shoot him up or, or whatever they need to do to, to make sure he can play. Um, and play effectively, but you do want to see it before um, he gets out there on the f- or when, once he gets out there on the field to make sure that you know he's he looks himself or at least as close to himself as he can and and not the guy that was out there at the very end of the uh, the Big Ten championship game.
0: Anna, there are so many interesting side plots in this game, so to speak. I think none more so than Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. They've been compared since they were kids. It's such a cool story. They grew up what thirty minutes away from each other. Give us some insight on that and just how long they've been compared to each other and they're going to go out assuming this is their last collegiate game, not a big assumption on my part. And they're going to go out playing against each other. Such a cool story. Just kind of give us the background there.
1: Yeah, it is cool. I mean, they grew up like Trevor said it this week, 20, 30 minutes from each other. Um, And Trevor was a heavy Georgia lean or at least perceived to be for a while. Um, And then Clemson was able to win what ended up being obviously a huge recruiting battle. Um, I mean, imagine if Georgia had had Trevor Lawrence all these years. Maybe we're thinking about a couple of national championships for the Bulldogs and maybe one less for Clemson, one less for Alabama. But They probably um, would
2: have pushed him out the door
0: anyway. Uh, you to, beat me the too. Place. I was like Kirby probably would have benched him.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know there, but I mean – We can all laugh at that. <laughs> um,
1: I, I think too what I remember a lot about that recruitment is – 24 seven sports had Lawrence one quarterback ranking wise. And I don't know if Fields was two or if he was somewhere in the top five, but it was a performance at the opening that really just turned a ton of heads. And not long after that fields became the number one quarterback and Lawrence was two and Clemson fans were just like, are you kidding me? I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a God, you know, like how could dare you put a quarterback above Trevor Lawrence, you know? And um, I I think it's, at the end 24 seven sports did end up, did end up having Lawrence one and fields two, but goes to show you that, you know, our network was really out in front and, in, in identifying fields as such a special talent because one or two, regardless, I mean, they're splitting hairs. They might go one and two in the NFL draft, you know? So um, I just think it's been really interesting to follow their careers. I mean, fields obviously transferred and um, maybe I wouldn't say he's in Lawrence's you know, in the background at all there, but I would say that, you know, he doesn't have a national championship. That's something, if you want to look at it, he's not in the Heisman race this year. If you want to look at that, but at the end of the day, um, these are just the most talented quarterbacks in college football. And they've been a blast to watch. Um, and I think they both have a ton to prove or want to prove, you know, they want to go on a high note, especially after this season, they were both just so instrumental in college football playing this season, which I think we're going to look back on years from now and just how special both fields and Lawrence were in thinking that we want to play movement just to kind of emerging as two huge voices in college football and learning to kind of find that voice. Um, And yeah, I mean, the, the different skill sets, I don't really know if one, um, what would you say, Pat, would, if, you would, if you were a drafting an NFL team right now, put you on the spot, who are you drafting?
2: Yeah, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, you've watched him more than I have, but at everything I've seen, I mean, this guy looks like the real deal. I had a friend ask me the other day um, when we were talking about the Browns and, and just kind of the offseason and stuff about, you know, and this is an Ohio State fan, obviously, but like is Trevor Lawrence really the real deal because we were watching the Jets and, you know, he, I was like, yeah, I mean, he, he does it all. You know, he he is the closest thing I've seen to a Peyton Manning type since Peyton. Um, and you know he's just really impressive. And I was, it was even more impressive getting to talk to him last year and, you know, then see him in person. Um, and that's not to take anything away from fields. Fields is a very talented player. Um, he does have, you know, a couple of things that I think he needs to improve on at the NFL level, holding the ball too long, being, being the most among them. But, Uh, You know, the way he can run uh, his arm, his decision-making has gotten a lot better. So, you know, I, I, to me, they're one, a one B with, with Lawrence just ahead. Um, You know, I saw today that some people have, have moved fields down further. And, you know, I wrote last week, I think the hate for Justin Fields has gone too far based on two bad performances in in his entire, uh, you know, playing career. But um, yeah, I mean, they're very close, but I think Trevor Lawrence is, is very special and uh, you know, if I'm taking NFL or if I'm making an NFL draft pick, I would take him over fields in a narrow margin.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I I'm so impressed with both of them. We all know physically, but like from covering them, and Anna knows a lot about more about this uh, with Trevor Lawrence than we do, but you can tell, as we know, you have to be a CEO to be an NFL quarterback. You can't just be talented. We're seeing Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins was phenomenal at Ohio state. I never saw this coming. turns out he was very immature though. And and, I didn't see that a lot at Ohio state. What I see with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are two guys that are going to be CEOs. You're not going to to worry about them being knuckleheads. Uh, But I agree. It's I would, I would take Lawrence over fields by a a slight margin and it's so cool. We're going to see them face off again on Friday. Let's get into the matchup, Patrick Uh, let's start with, you know, Clemson's running game against Ohio state's run defense and OSU's running game against Clemson's running defense. Break down some of those matchups for me.
2: Yeah, this will be important. Um, because obviously Ohio state's gotten the running game going of late and Clemson has too, Uh, you know, the Travis Etienne who had a, had a very good season, but I think he's really kind of hit his stride. And, you know, Ohio state, it's been master Teague. It's been Trey Sermon. I don't really have a sense of how they're going to break down the carries assuming master Teague's healthy. He obviously had a bit of an issue in the big 10 championship game. Um, So, you know, I think, how, the, how Ohio State's attacks is, is going to be interesting on the ground. And you know, Clemson, both teams have great, great rush defenses. So, you know, it's, it's finding the holes um, and, and hitting them. And I think that that's something that we saw last year. Ohio State was able to, to neutralize a little bit when it comes to ETN. And he became a bigger part of the passing game and Lawrence became the runner. And I think you do have to be aware of, of Trevor Lawrence and his running ability. I'm also curious how much Ohio State uses Justin Fields in the run game and how aware um you know clemson is on uh, on that side of things because you know even in his two years where he's been a very good runner high state hasn't used him as much under ryan day as we've seen quarterback runs in the past under urban meyer um especially if he has an injured thumb and and isn't feeling 100 maybe that's another dynamic that you add in a bit more qb run stuff and and you know just try and keep uh clemson on on their toes with with zone reads and things like that so um, I think you know this will be very interesting to see how both both sides attack and you know how these very good run defenses try and contain talented running backs and quarterbacks on the ground.
0: Anna, is there anything you want to add there about the running game? And I also want you to to give a, a quick breakdown of the passing games for each team and um, you know the passing defenses for each team.
1: Yeah, the one thing, and maybe this is more of a question because I just haven't watched a ton of Ohio State this year, but. They rank, what is it, the top five, top six in run defense, giving up under 100 yards per game. But then you look at their, I think Bud Elliott said it today on a podcast, they're ranked 109th in run explosiveness, given up. So what gives there, what's the disparity there in being so consistent in terms of maybe the the every, you know, in most runs, but then I guess every now and then they'll let a big one go.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Nebraska's quarterbacks had some luck with them in the opener. Um, I'm trying to think what else, Pat. There was a couple other long runs that happened. What's one that I'm forgetting about? I know Nebraska had a couple long ones. Um, That's
1: like an outlier to me. Like I think of Ohio State's run defense and I think of extremely sound and good. I mean, I, I guess I get where that nitpicking is coming from, but I, I do think Clemson's going to have a hard time running the ball consistently on Ohio state. Um, I mean, I do think Trevor Lawrence could be integral again with his legs. He's a true dual threat at this point, but in terms of string together, consistent drives getting four or five yards per rush, I just don't see that happening. Um, I do think Clemson will have to go more to its wide receivers, which I will talk about, but sorry, Pat, let me interrupt you. <laughs>
2: No, no I, I was trying to think too. I think the quarterback runs were the big issue early on in the season against Nebraska. But I don't think nothing stands out to me of of a big, you know, explosive play that they gave up on the ground. I mean, like I said, Indiana had negative one rushing yards. Um, you know, they so used to all the all the big passing plays they gave up. Yeah, so that's, that, big, that's been the big thing.
0: I, w- I want to get Anna's take on that. That's where you know every Ohio State fan is worried that you know Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to pick them apart because. They've played lesser quarterbacks. Now, Michael Penix from Indiana is a good quarterback, but he's not Trevor Lawrence. Um, so Buckeye fans are worried that Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to pick them apart because they've been very bad in pass coverage this year. What's your thoughts on that matchup?
1: Yeah, I do think that's going to be an advantage for Clemson. Um, it's interesting because last year was such strength on strength. You had T. Higgins, Justin Ross, then you had Fuller, Arnett, Akuda, and this year Clemson's wide receivers take a step back. I mean, in my opinion, and then Ohio State secondary takes a step back. So you have less good on good, more like okay on okay. I mean, Clemson's receivers have been a bright spot um, as the season has gone on. It's actually been a big storyline. The emergence of Cornell Powell, freshman E.J. Williams, even Amari Rogers um, has taken a huge step forward, even though we kind of all thought we knew what the player he was. He's just taken his game to a whole other level this year. Um, one talking point I think that – we heard a lot about this week was how much Ohio State shut down Clemson's wide receivers last year I mean you could think back to it and T Higgins I think he had under 40 yards Amari Rodgers had one catch and all the talk after that game was just Okuda and Arnett and those corners just totally owning Clemson's wide receivers at the line on um, press man Clemson just wasn't used to seeing it in the ACC in the regular season and then they play these elite defensive backs that just had their number and Clemson wasn't able to consistent throwing the ball downfield. So I think Clemson's coaches and even the players, even though it's largely a different group outside of Amari Rogers, kind of pointing to that and saying, Hey, like you guys, you got punched in the mouth last year. Like this is supposed to be wide receiver. You, um, and Ohio state's it was built to stop the run. So you guys are going to have to make plays down the field. I mean, Trevor Lawrence will put the ball where it needs to be. So now it's up to these wide receivers to kind of win some of these 50, 50 balls and get, get open.
0: Pat, any final parting thoughts that you would like to add about this game?
2: yeah I think just to to anna's point the the secondary certainly is not as as talented on paper. I'm curious to see how much they've been able to improve through practice like that's what the guys talked about this week is is the defense getting better through practice, which is hard to judge because we don't see that um and I think it's hard to you know not play games and and progress so that that has has me a little questionable questionable about this secondary um, I do think that the way that they will call it is different too. Uh, obviously Jeff Hafley not there, Kerry Combs, the, the defensive coordinator now, and, and he's played a lot more off coverage. Um, they've done a lot of different things than they did last year. So I'll be very interested to see if, if they change things up, if they try and press a little bit more to have that success, the line of scrimmage against Clemson. Um, but I also think real quick, the, the defensive line for Ohio state, if you can get pressure and contain Trevor Lawrence and still make him feel uncomfortable as, as much as possible that helps your secondary out a lot. Ohio State at times has gotten pressure, but not sacks. They they need to get to Trevor Lawrence, and I think that would would ease things up for the secondary um, and make it make it a bit easier of a game for for Ohio State's defense. Anna, the floor is yours with any final thoughts you might have.
1: Final thoughts? Um, is that your way of saying maybe a game prediction? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't nailed that. We talked a little, little bit about before recording. I haven't totally nailed down um, a score prediction, and honestly, I don't put a ton of thought into um, in terms of what I think the final score is going to be. I do think Clemson will win. Um, I just I, I feel confident in their offense right now. It's just it's clicking on all cylinders, um, and Clemson's defense is healthy. I do think we'll see more points. Maybe I don't know what the over/under is right now, but I would maybe be inclined to take the over there without seeing the lines. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm not. That's not right. But just without seeing the line, I do think there'll be more points scored in this game. Um, and I do think, you know, I don't know if I was betting on this game if I would take Clemson to win by two touchdowns or even ten points. Like I, I am inclined to think this will be about a field goal and could be like last year where whoever has the ball last has a chance to win.
0: Yeah, I think it could go either way. I think these teams are very evenly matched. I'm not buying into the David versus Goliath matchup. Um, no, not all. I'll pick Ohio State in a close one. I'll pick Ohio State 35, Clemson 31. Patrick, get us out of here with a prediction.
2: I am taking Clemson, and the only reason is I think in a in a normal year where both teams play their, their normal amount of games, this would be a great game, um, and especially given all the narratives. I just don't think Ohio State is, is – prepared because they haven't played and this isn't against the coaching they just haven't played enough games to get to where you need to be at this point in the season um, the development that naturally happens throughout 12 13 games just hasn't happened for Ohio State like I said practice is great but you need games to to really get better those game reps and, and they just haven't had that so I think Clemson takes the game um, I'll have my score when we do our, our roundtable because I haven't actually come up with that yet but I, I'm giving Clemson the edge here certainly because because of of their schedule, and and I, I guess that ultimately makes Dabo right.
0: Anna Hickey from Clemson, twenty four seven. Patrick Murphy from some site called Bucknuts. Great stuff, y'all. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Thank y'all. <laughs>